Welcome to an emergency PHLY Sixers podcast. I'm Devon Givens, alongside my partners, as always, Derek Botner, Kyle Newbeck, on this Thursday, where now we have some news, a long-awaited news, uh, about 24 to 48 hours about Joel Embiid and uh, the knee injury and what it looks like. Well, right now, it appears to be some sort of a meniscus situation for Joel Embiid. And as a result, we're here to talk with you uh, before the Utah Jazz game and uh, give give our thoughts on where the season goes from here. I'm sure many people upset about how it's all playing down, so we'll get into it right now. Uh, Kyle Newbeck, Derek Bodner, what's up, fellas? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having us, Devon. Yes, oh, thank yeah, you, thank you. you. Know Welcome it. to my show. <laughs> so I guess I guess so reading the to talk about the jazz game later, guys. Yeah. I know we're all revved up for that at twelve thirty, one o'clock tonight. But yeah, what a bummer. I guess the sort of maybe just reading the full thing off uh, off the top. Uh, the Sixers team officials say that uh, Embiid had an MRI following Tuesday's game. Further evaluation over the last 24 hours revealed an injury to the lateral meniscus in Embiid's left knee. Embiid, in consultation with the 76ers medical staff and several leading specialists, will be out through the weekend while tr a treatment plan is finalized. Um, so again, the, the wording doesn't say a tear, just an injury. Obviously, out through the weekend, it doesn't mean that he would be back after the weekend. It just means that we're not getting a further update on how long he might be out for. Um, outside of that, it's right. It's speculation right now. Yeah. And I do think it's important to note that there was one lone torn meniscus report that has since been, I don't want to say it's been shot down, but nobody else has joined shams in reporting it in that way it is not what the sixers have said in their statement and so that's something that we're going to have to you know we'll see what happens over time here i, I think what's tricky with a meniscus as we've learned in the past and if you compare it to the other you know the major ligaments for example there's a lot of gray area in how you attack it based on, you know, how, how damaged is it? What, how bad is the problem? And, you know, what does, frankly, what does the player or the person want to do? Like we've seen a lot of examples throughout NBA history, guards, bigs, wings with meniscus injuries. And the, the decision is between repair, replace, et cetera. And that can dramatically change the timeline. And in some cases you say, this is a rest rehab try to work around the problem and, and deal with it later. I don't know where you guys are at. I, I just, I don't see how, if we came into this, right? Like before we knew there was a meniscus injury after the Kaminga fall the other day, we're hearing things like, well, this is just something he's going to have to deal with the full season. I mean, looking at him the other night, if this is something he's dealing with the full season, the previous issue plus whatever just got topped on from the Kuminga fall the other day, like that doesn't seem sustainable to me. So I think that, it, I mean, it's going to suck that the team will be screwed if they say long-term and that's going to be a tough sales pitch to make to Joel who recognizes he's in the midst of his prime is having his best ever season, at least on, statistically on paper. But I think you have to look at the long-term here. Like, yeah. I don't think there's another option. 
Um, I, I, can I, let me inject myself in here just from the lone guy on here who's had these terrible injuries. So you guys know when I tore my ACL in 2019, I also tore my meniscus in there. So while it happened at the same time and I had to rehab and do both, uh, the difference is, as you guys talked about, the nature of the injury and where it stands right now. We don't know if it's a complete tear. We don't know where it is. We also know he's dealt with this before. And for me, mine was only a partial tear. And had it not been for the ACL, of course, my recovery, they told me, would have been so much quicker. Uh, and I'm not 300 pounds. I'm not seven foot. I'm not even close to You're it. Not even close to any of those. Not other even close to it. Yeah. Um, but again, it was not something the height that... check here or anything. But yeah, you know, just being realistic. Hey, hey I'm not, I, I've been dealing with it for 40 plus years. So I think I can handle it. So, um, yeah. So, so what I was told, of course, and then, just dealing, understanding what I was dealing with. And then knowing that being in around this business and athletes while they are dealing with this stuff, it, it's just the nature of, as you guys already said, what you can handle with that injury uh, while playing through it. And again, he's had it before. Some can play through it. Some can tolerate it as much as possible and the wear and tear. And that's the big part of it. The wear and tear along with the physical you know, the, the the physical nature of who this guy is the the body type that he is that he has and the pounding that he's going to have to endure for whenever he gets back on the floor it doesn't matter if it's now or or, or later once he gets into the postseason it's still going to be something that's going to be there it's not going to go away and he's just going to have to find a way to play through the entire thing yeah so a couple quick points of clarification he had a torn meniscus in his left knee in 2017. That's the one, uh, you know, during his rookie season, he ended up delaying surgery, but eventually getting surgery and, and basically ended the season. Now it ended his season in part because he had the surgery in March and they weren't going to make the playoffs. Uh, so there's no need to rush back and the timeline wouldn't have matched or lined up anyway. He then suffered a torn meniscus in his right knee in 2021 against the, the, the uh, Wizards. So just to get those clear, the one he tore in 2021 is not the one that he tore or the one that he injured. Uh, this year, we don't know the exact nature of the injury yet, but the 2021 against the Wizards was on the other knee. 2017, when he did tear the meniscus, that is on the one that is currently injured. And I do want to say, if we go back to 2021, at least how it was framed at the time, there was it was suggested that they weren't sure how much of what was in there that was damaged was from the Washington series. And, and that's the that exact is, same thing they said in 2017. I can remember because I, yeah, I broke that story. Yeah. So that's, you know, read into that what you will is what I would say. All right. So where where do we go from here now, guys, with, with this? And he is the key, as we talked about even on our, our last podcast on Wednesday. He's the key to all of this, as we know. And as much as he has a supporting cast of Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, so many others, and we'll get to Tobias, uh, Tyrese Maxey a little bit later, announced as a first-time All-Star. Um, where do we go from here? The trade deadline is a week from today. We have a special two-hour uh, two podcast next Thursday uh, about the trade deadline, should the Sixers get themselves involved with it. But before we go there, where does this leave this team right now in the immediate all-star break next week, so have some time off there where it doesn't affect the games for the team where they don't drop too far in the standings. But that being said, uh, soon, pardon me, with the all-star game coming up, but soon, where, where do we stand right now as far as this team, him, 
and, and where they are. I mean, it, it's so tough, right? Because we have so little information. Like, how big is the injury? Is he going to get surgery? What kind of surgery? Because there's multiple ways to repair this. If it does need surgery, there's a, a removal, which actually comes with a quicker turnaround, but might have some long-term complications. Um, there is a repair, which might take longer to then uh, heal, but is better long-term for the athlete. There's just so much information. We don't, we don't even know if it's a tear right now. There's so much information. That we, it's in, almost impossible to project how long he will be out and what the consequences of it are. You know, we did see him play through a torn meniscus in that 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 2021 because he then played in the second round. Don't mention how the second round went, but he played in that second round. Uh, that's one of the the. So there's just, I'm, I mean, I mentioned this the other day. I wake up in, in a panic, so I'm pretty close to a panic now. But we do kind of have to wait for more information. It is going to make the trade deadline. I no idea how to cover it right now. Okay, I mean, Derek's gonna take that route. I'll I'll say this: they're fucked. That that's where we're at right now. They're fucked because as we've seen now, granted, Tyrese Maxey has not been healthy, right? So you get Tyrese Maxey back in the lineup, you see what they do at the deadline, and that's still a conversation for later on. But you get Tyrese back, you get the Anthony Melton back, presumably. I don't know, let's say next few days, next week or so, and you at least have a coherent rotation, right? Like they've had guys who are out of the lineup and it's not major things like Patum will be back. Cub is the one that remains on the shelf for a while, but you'll have Marcus Morris, DeAnthony, Tyrese, Tobias, Paul Reed, most of the, the regular rotation guys. Maybe you can steal some wins here and there. But I think if you just look at how they've performed lately, but also across the entire season without Joel, even like the look, Tyrese led lineups have been very good in the games where Joel is available. Yep. The second that Tyrese has become the focal point of the opponent's scouting report, and teams have been able to sell out and say, that's the number one guy, we're going after him. It has gotten a lot tougher and a lot worse for him. His efficiency plummets, the the net ratings, the on-off, all that stuff plummets. And if that's the case, when that's your your number two goes to your number one and the team is floundering, you really do not have a path to winning on a night-to-night basis unless you get outlier performances from everybody else. You got to shoot the lights out. Hey, bad news. They've been shooting the ball like shit for most of the last, you know, two weeks, two and a half weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. And they don't have a crazy schedule, I guess. But if you just look at who they play, like let's say for the sake of argument, this is not me reporting Joel's going to miss a month or Joel's Mm going to miss any amount of time specifically. But the period between now and the All-Star break has a bunch of games against teams who are trying to make up ground in the playoff standings. And they have three specific games against Miami, the Knicks, and Cleveland. I guess those are on the other side of the break, the the Knicks and Cleveland game. So if Joel misses the month of February, for example, you might lose three head-to-head games against teams that are going to be actively fighting with you for seeding. So that's bad. You have Boston and Milwaukee at the very end of this month. This is not good. If he has to miss real time, this is... This season could go to absolute hell before people even realize it. I mean, look, we talked about it yesterday when I posed the, the question that way. If, he, if he's out for a while, 
before this news, we didn't know anything. Tyrese Maxey, Melton, and those guys come back. They start to fall in the standings, which they've done already. Yeah, they're in trouble. They're in big trouble because this team, as you said, they can't shoot right now. They can't shoot from the outside. Maxey's not there, so that's a big part of it. Same thing with DeAnthony Melton. But I, I I hear you, man. This is this is really bad right now for this basketball team. And for, the, for things, as we said it yesterday, for things to be so high, the vibes to be where they were just a week ago, before any of this took place and now to be in this spot right now, it, it's it's amazing to even think about it. And look, we've, we've been here before with him and them before with the injuries and uh, putting a, a, a gut punch in where this team is and, and where they are at a certain point of, this, of the season and then getting to the playoffs and then getting that gut punch once again and the season comes to a, 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 an end. But this right now is, this does not look good for this team. And the approach of the, the the trade deadline, all of it right now, this stinks for this basketball team because I don't know where they go. We've seen where Maxi can have those games, but if it can't be Maxi and Tobias Harris is too up and down for us to really even consider him to help lead anything when it comes to a real playoff run in, in the event that Embiid can't go for a while or even the rest of the regular season to continue to keep them afloat in the top six. We're not even talking about in seven, eight, nine, and 10. We're talking about trying to stay in the top six so they can avoid that play in situation. I, I don't know that I don't, I don't feel good about this situation and where they are right now. By the way, before I see Derek, it looks like he wants to make a point right now. I want to point out because people are referring to Shams's report in the chat. Shams deleted the tweet that said that he had a torn meniscus. So I want to be clear. Shams fucked it up. He does not know the exact specific nature of this injury. And if he did, he wouldn't have deleted the tweet. So you guys can carry on, but just want to make sure that we get to that. That's a pretty major detail to fuck up, by the way. Like that's irresponsible to be throwing out the wrong designation for an injury. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's not good. Well, look, let me let me tell people about a few things and then we'll get back to it here on, on the show. I want to tell everybody about uh, Philly Sports Trips. Philly Sports Trips, of course, is a, a, a great uh, company that helps put fans uh, together to travel for games. And they're doing so right now uh, with PHLY spring training. Uh, we're off to Clearwater, the baseball squad, the PHLY Phillies squad off to Clearwater with Philly Sports Trips for our very first PHLY spring training takeover. Yes, hang with Philly's legend, Charlie Manuel. Philly Sports Trips plans the whole experience out from flights and hotels to games, tickets, and transportation. And I can tell you just from doing things with Philly Sports Trips in the past, uh, going for Sixers games in Brooklyn, and uh, also understanding that how they work, how they operate, Vince is fantastic with the job that he does. So uh, spend St. Patrick's Day on a private yacht with a catered dinner and drinks. You get to hang out with Jamie and Renee, etc. Be on the lookout for more events throughout the year with Philly Sports Trips. The trip is March 13th through the 18th for the Phillies. So don't wait to book. Head to allphly.com slash events to learn more and book your trip. Again, allphly.com slash events to learn more and book your trip. Well, guys, whenever you rediscover your appetite for traveling and you rediscover your normal appetite, I can tell you some other place you need to go. That's to see our friends at Bagels & Co. They offer gigantic 
Brooklyn style bagels made right here in Philadelphia. I eat bagels several days a week when we're not going through a tough time as a uh, community in the sports world. And bagels are going through an average. a tough time. <laughs> the hell are Listen, you there are about? some are you new here. Oh, stop it. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Pessimism over there. Bagels & Co. offers an average of around 15 to 20 types of bagels. They rotate seasonally. You guys saw a bunch of them on the show yesterday. Bagels & Co. even had a Christmas-themed bagel recently that was worth checking out. If you're a cream cheese guy like I am, they offer 30 different flavors of cream cheese. They rotate all throughout the year. They do have themed sports cream cheeses for the local teams. So the Sixers... Are we are the Eagles still the Voldemort of Philadelphia, or can we mention they have Eagle stuff anyway? <laughs> as important as that variety in cream cheeses and the bagels is the affordability. Bagels and Co has kept their prices down to make sure that you can be an everyday customer, not just someone coming in for a weekend splurge. And they offer premium coffee at a superior price to most national brands and chains. So for the best Brooklyn style bagels made right here in Philadelphia, head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store dash locator to find the closest Bagels & Co. near you. Yeah, I had, a, I had a Bagels & Co. everything bagel yesterday. It was a highlight of my last two days, which That's... says a little bit about the bagel, a little bit about me, a little bit about the Philly sports scene right now, but uh, good bagel. That cinnamon raisin was pretty good, man. I got to be honest. It was really good. I was starving. Yeah. In all honesty, if the, like food vendors <laughs> want to just stock us up so when we get off of air, I can, that, that would be great. I love it. Yes, they do. Listen, man, as, as you were saying, when are we not in this place or when is not Philadelphia, when is Philadelphia sports not in this place? And it just made me think about the fan base as I'm looking at some of the chat here on our live stream here. And it, it makes me think about how so many times Sixer fans are saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Not that Joel Embiid is not a great player. It's just I can't do this anymore and investing their emotion and so on and so forth because of the fact that and whenever they pull themselves in, they'll ask us, hey, is it okay if we put all of our energy in this? Is this the right time to do it? Only to be disappointed again because now with this injury, it may not be the rest of the season, but knowing that if it is something that he can play through, it's still there and that they have to deal with this all over again and trying to figure out how to navigate their emotion of being invested in the Sixers when the ultimate goal is the championship. This team looked like it was on a pretty good path. The head coach seemed like he was doing some really good things with this group as well. The trade deadline, everyone's getting excited for it because adding DeJounte Murray, or maybe you don't have to add these pieces because Embiid and Maxi is this two-man uh, two show so far is, is going to be enough. Now, now here we are. It's just, it's, it's, it, I feel bad for the fans too because so many times they put themselves into this and the unknown is there. Yeah. And look, I, I, I guess I just want to say a couple of things. First of all, we're not saying it's not a tear. We're saying we don't know when, and Shams made a mistake. Uh, we don't know the full nature of the injury that'll come out in future days. I don't want anyone to be reassured because heaven forbid you actually be happy with life. That's not what Philadelphia sports is about. We just don't know the exact nature. Oh my injury. God, nihilist Arby's came to life over here. Look what he wants. Um, the other thing is like how long he is out for is key. It, we all agree that he is Sixers cannot compete without him, but there are certainly scenarios where he can be back for the playoffs if they can maintain even just the six seed. I'm not going to completely write off the season. It does make what you do at the deadline very difficult and uncertain, not only because you wanted to pursue a third star or pieces to play around him, but also because if you're not going to be able to compete this year, 
you want to be able to sell off some of your role players who have expiring contracts, because like Kyle mentioned in the last show or two shows ago, or I don't remember, all we do is talk about bad news. You want to be able to sell those, flip those for longer term pieces. That gets tougher with so much uncertainty. But like I said, it is uncertainty. We don't know good or bad. How long is going about if he's going to need surgery, the exact nature of the injury. Uh, we don't know. So to that point, and I, I will also say that, like, my natural inclination, if it was good news, it probably would have said something. That's my natural inclination. Yeah. <laughs> you don't wait several more days if no. you got good news. Like, that's, <laughs> they're just trying to figure out a way to make this palatable for both Joel's recovery and how it's going to be addressed to all of us. Uh, I want to ask you guys this while we're, you know, wondering what they're going to do. Do you guys think, not because this is not me suggesting Joel has been out of shape or that he's not been in like optimal condition or anything like that. Do you think he, the training staff, strength and conditioning, et cetera, need to take a long look at, do I have to reimagine what my body looks like to hold up over 82 games plus the playoffs? Because Somebody brought, I, I think it was, I want to say it was Matthew Tynan, longtime Spurs reporter, brought this up the other day that, you know, Tim Duncan was dealing with not the same level of consistent injuries that Joel did, but had dealt with some knee problems in his, I would say, late 20s, early 30s. And he lost a bunch of weight. And on top of that, got that platelet rich therapy on his knee. And, that was able to extend his career, his effectiveness of his career deep into his thirties, obviously was not the guy anymore on their final, you know, title teams, but was still an, if not elite, at least sub elite defensive player, still a valuable offensive guy. And I look at Joel and I see how his game has evolved. And, and we sit here and we say, look, the, the most important or the most dominant part of his game is the free throw drawing and it's the face up jumper, the pick and roll to the free throw line, the elbow J. And if his game has now become less about now, look, he still posts up a ton throwing his weight around absolutely helps. And I, we can only ask him to lose so much weight, right? Like that's just, you can only get to a certain level that based on, you know, your genetics, but if he could play lighter, I think that is the move for the rest of his career. And I think it will sync up with how his game has evolved. Like we're not talking about a pure low post player, which is a lot of what we saw for the early stages of his career. And I think if you just, I don't know, I'm grasping at straws here to try to look for what can be done grasping. over the long term to, to help this. Cause like, look, clearly the guy's carrying a lot of weight. He's seven feet tall. And all these in injuries, save for the, you know, the the facial stuff, and he had the thumb hand mm -hmm. injury in the Toronto series, they're all lower body injuries. So whatever you can do to put less stress on your joints and, and your lower body is at a premium to me. So, like, first of all, I think losing weight wouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, that's hell analysis there, um, especially as these lower body injuries take a toll. I'm not sure if it would have necessarily prevented this one, right? Because he either got this injury when yeah. he bumped knees with Randall, bumped knees with Siakam, 
or when Kaminga landed on him. Um, those three don't necessarily have a lot to do with how much weight you're carrying. Uh, and when you go, but, but if you go back to when he injured the knee back in 2017, right? We all assume it was when he who who do you have that dunk against the Rockets that he had that dunk yes. came down landed yes. awkward, something like that where he's landing with more weight. Yeah, maybe it would help to land with 30 less pounds, 20 less pounds, whatever number you want to come at. Uh, and certainly when you talk about the accumulation of these injuries, making him more susceptible to in, to further injuries down the line, I think carrying less weight would help with that. I'm just not sure like what we've been dealing with in recent years, which, you know, like you mentioned, the two eye sockets, the thumb caught in a jersey, bumping knees this year, they're just kind of freak random shit that maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, but you, you just get but really you, fucking unlucky for eight years straight. And apparently that's where we're at. Yeah, but when you also just look at the totality of it, though, and you talk about those lower body injuries, okay, you can't you can't control any of them, especially the face, the hand, things of that nature. But when you're talking about, all right, this thing keeps happen to, happening to me, what can I prevent? It's not just falling on the floor. Or to, try to, to prevent. prevent. It's not yeah. it's like, look, yeah, yeah. we could sit here and say this would right. be best for him. And you still, to Derek's point, you could still get hurt. You might have a freak accident. Yeah. You might have yeah, this. Yeah. It's more about like what is, what is the way we, you can best try. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, so like jumping point, into the, jumping into the stands, right? The things that we're like, all right, hey, we want to see you hustle, but be a little smarter here. And he's and you hear that the doctors told. Oh well, that ship is sailed. I, I... <laughs> right, just as an example, these are the things we. The doctor says fall on the floor a little, so you can avoid hitting the floor a certain way where you're not putting any uh any any stress on your in your lower body things like that but when it comes to banging knees there's nothing you can do about it so the yeah. point derek that i was trying to say was all right what can i do now that doesn't re re revolve around me worrying about falling on the floor a certain way and not diving for a loose ball instead what can i do with my body now to make sure that hey at least i know i'm doing this so when you Kyle, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. They brought the exact example up where Tim Duncan did exactly that. Kobe Bryant, the issue that he had, he had to go over, where did he go, to Germany for the platelet stuff that he was doing? So did Going Andrew Bynum. And, well, yeah, fair point. But I think Joel Embiid wants to play a little bit more. Um, so what can I do, though? What is it that's, what can I do? And that's not to say that Joel Embiid hasn't, but he has come back, and he has come back to camp where he's bigger, and he loses the weight during the during this during the training camp session and and preseason and then gets to a certain weight during the regular season and then some of the weight comes back on and all of that. So I, I don't think it's unfair to ask, hey, with the style of play that he has, he's still bigger than most people and he's already more skilled than most people where that stuff is still going to be effective if he loses the 20 pounds. It's just a matter of carrying a little bit less weight will will it will, we may not have the answer but will that help him in the long run yeah look i'm like i said earlier i'm not against losing weight neither myself or for pretty much almost anyone not almost <laughs> anyone because a lot of the nba players we cover are, are really really skinny anyway getting off track here certainly get, for myself some certainly for sticks. big men yeah. not against losing weight all i don't want to do is say that he is injured because he is overweight because i don't think that's necessarily true or fair um, when you talk about mitigating uh, injury risk, you talk about moving percentages around. You don't talk about guarantees. It's a lot like building a team or building a playoff contender. Nothing he can do is going to guarantee health, especially when there's been so many freak accidents. You're just going to shift the percentages a couple either way. Um, and that's kind of the cheaty part of where we're at. Yeah. 
I just want well, to throw it out there because it's been bouncing around in my head. So, yeah. But, you know. Tough, tough way to go. A tough way to go with him. Um, all right. Uh, I wanted to ask this too. Well, kind of get back to it a little bit with the Tyrese Maxey part because I wanted to give you guys a chance to talk about Maxey being announced as the first time all-star. Uh, we get, we put out our list yesterday. We put it out on social media as well. And as we put it out there for the West, you guys got, you guys got me on, on the Devin Booker part. I was wrong. Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns in there also. And uh, we, we all were right on the East. I would have, I would have had Gobert in over Towns. I would have, I, I, I think when you look at that team, they are built around their defensive identity. Gobert is a mm -hmm. huge part of that. If you're going to give them a second all-star, I think it, it should have been Gobert. Well, Even if Gobert is not necessarily my favorite player right. or archetype to build around. Right. And Maxi makes it for the first time. So congratulations, Tyrese Maxi. We've seen him come in from the 2020 draft, the COVID draft, and not knowing what this guy was going to be. And uh, they wound up getting the steal at, at that at that spot in, in the early 20s and drafting this guy who is now going to be, you know, a first-time All-Star. So with that being said, though, guys – Kyle, you want to go first on this one with the uh, announcement? It's great for Tyrese, Joel Embiid, of course. I mean, I figured we were. I figured this would come after we got to like, where do the Sixers go from here? But we can table that first. We second. need look. Um, you, you need kind of like a shit sandwich. We talk about shit at the beginning, <laughs> shit at the end, a little bit of positivity in the middle. Well, I don't have positivity for you here either because I'm irritated at the fact that. That, they waited until that announcement yeah. was strategically timed to coincide with all-star announcements. Like the, the most messed up part about it is they could have very easily just done this coinciding with Nick nurse's pregame in Utah at, which is probably happening in what, 15 minutes. You already waited all day. And instead of just telling the reporters on the ground there and sending it out to Shams and Woj and whoever at eight 20, they did it in the midst of Tyrese Maxey getting this awesome honor that we would all in the chat on the show, everywhere else would sit here and say, that guy's worked his ass off to get to where he is, has absolutely earned this. Like this was not, this is not like a surprise at this point. This was not him sneaking in. This has been a great, great season for Tyrese Maxey has been the one of the biggest stories of the organization in the last half decade comes here by stroke of good fortune and the stroke of Mike Muscala in the Disney world bubble and has now turned himself into a 25 point per game guy grown as a point guard synergy with Joel, all that stuff. We've said best partner he's had in terms of the fluidity, the chemistry, all that. And I'm, I would say I'm pissed for him at how the organization handled that. He really did not get to have, like, look, he still got named an all-star, and that's what going to be what he remembers. I'm sure he's getting tons of congratulatory messages, but I, it doesn't sit right with me that that was how it was handled. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. That being said, to your point, like, he'll he'll remember being at the all-star game. He'll remember all that way more than... Of course. And this, this just would have been one more extra nice moment to have for him. Uh, as far as the story goes, and a great 
story that you talked about where he's worked himself into this. It's not just a great story for the organization. It's a great NBA story uh, to, to just watch him turn into this because as we talk about so many of these high draft picks and most of those players are the one that are looked at to be these future all-stars. And there are so many others that work to this point to get to where Tyrese Maxey is. He was even to a point last year where as, as much as I like him and there was talk about him getting the max contract and just not knowing what it was. And it was like, Hmm, wow. Tyrese Maxey in a, in a max contract conversation, look at where he's worked to, to get to that kind of conversation where that is being attached to his name. And to even be mentioned with all of these other guards in the NBA that are looked at and talked about constantly. Now he's in that mix and he's in that conversation with them. And that's how good he has been. That's why the Sixers were at a point where they were 20, 29 and 13 a big part of that was because of him. And we talk about the shooting slump that the team is on. Part of that is because he's not in the game also. And as many threes as he makes the game, the pressure that he puts on defenses and, and all of that and developing into a very, very good point guard where we still see him arrow pointing up. It's still ascending as a, as a point guard in this league for what he has done. So it's a great story. Cool. It couldn't happen to a better guy. Um, just the type of person that he is and, and and what he's doing. So it's going to be really cool to see him playing in the all-star game in, in, uh, in Indianapolis. Yeah. Look, I, I tell people all the time, he's just a great human story, right? Like if you just look at it from a, a zoomed out person, I know we're like deep in the weeds on all things Sixers, but you look at it from a neutral perspective, comes in rookie year, his freshman season at Kentucky is derailed by COVID. He doesn't get an NCAA tournament. He falls in the draft kind of unexpectedly falls into the Sixers lap and into a situation where he could have gone somewhere else and probably played a ton right away and was asked to be in a pretty specific and limiting role in Philly, right? Like a lot of my thoughts early with him were like, well, he just won't shoot the ball enough. Like I, I like so much of what he does, but I, it's not fitting in based on what he's showing on the floor. And, you know, over time, we kind of learned some of that as a, a product of the coach who was here. But and then you get into the playoffs and Doc's got to hit the break glass in case of emergency with Tyrese when the chips are down. And he has a monster performance on the road in game six after. I know we've been through a lot of choke jobs in, in Philadelphia sports, but one of the worst ones I had ever seen in game five and Tyrese with, you know, the just blinders on did not care comes out and Joel plays like shit. Ben plays like shit. Tyrese plays awesome and helps lead them to a road do or die win in Atlanta. And, you know, not the toughest environment, but an awesome statement performance. And then he has to come back the next year with the starting point guard warring against the organization and basically take the reins, but he knows it's a placeholder. And then James Harden comes in and he's playing off guard. Like every single year and every single stretch of time for Tyrese, there has been something, there has been an issue. It has been who he's playing with, who he's playing for, what he's being asked to do. And so to see him get here through almost exclusively hard work, perseverance, commitment to his craft, and, and like I said before, intelligence about how he goes about bettering himself, like that pointed work in the offseason. It's one thing to put in work. It's another to put in work that actually is productive and helps you. 
and he has just been he has passed every test with flying colors so i want to make sure that we all that we say that that this is a, a great honor for tyrese and one that he has earned many times over i just wanted to make sure we get we did what they didn't do for him you know give give him that give him that time give him that space of talking about deserves the good it stuff deserves with it. him yeah the guys yeah, man, he really has. And watching him, watching him work, and watching what he does in the community, and in the off season, as you talked about, people were livid that he wasn't a part of the forty-plus uh, man USA pool because they felt like he was deserving of that. Again, just goes to the testament of what this guy has done to put himself in the conversation with the rest of the the best in the NBA and who knows, he might even be involved in that later on as we get closer to that time. But that being said, the guy has worked and he has earned this and it's a, it's a really cool thing for him and his organization enough where Joel and B jokes enough and calls him the franchise. And who, who knows the guy right now, <laughs> the guy is the franchise right now. So on your shoulders, my man, so on your shoulders. All right. Uh, Derek, did you want to add anything else or do you want to move on? No, I mean, look, it is just, it is like the guy has gotten better every year. The guy has taken jumps that none of us have expected he was capable of taking. The guy has done everything you could have asked for him, and none of that comes by accident. It's not like this is some, you know, six foot seven, super hyper athletic guy. Like in order to make the improvements he needed to make in his jump shot and his passing and his floor game and his recognition, that only came from a lot of really hard work. Uh, so for him to get this kind of respect and and to have you know gotten the payoff for all of that work, it is, it's good to see. Um, it is like, he really should be one of the most popular athletes in Philadelphia. I think sometimes some of the negativity around the Sixers maybe prevents him from getting that or the skepticism around the Sixers, maybe better way to phrase that than negativity. Uh, but it's good that he's getting that league wide recognition. And I think he's going to have, I think he's going to be real popular for a long time. When the Jersey sales were released the other day, they, they had him in the, what, like the top 11 and two ahead of two ahead of Joel. He was the top sixer jersey sale among NBA fans, which was pretty interesting to see. Where did you have him? Um, not not specific spot, of course, but when you doing your scouting stuff, where, where around what area did you have him since he dropped in the twenties? Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't I wasn't working for Draft Express at that time. Uh, they had actually gone to ESPN, uh, so I was not covering the draft as hard as I was before. I think I had him somewhere in the twelve and fourteen range up. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember Rich and I doing a, a show about it and doing write-ups on it. And we didn't even really write about him or talk about him because we didn't expect for him to be available. Um, somewhere in that late lottery range. Kyle, is that you know how you can it? get money to, uh, to play the actual lottery? You could. I do. I do know of a way. Hold on. Let me pull up my, my <laughs> thing here real quick. I lost track <laughs> of the time that is on me. We want to tell you about Rocket Money, which is a, a good way to save that money that Kyle was talking about. We all want to make sure that you get the most out of your money and that you're not wasting money on unnecessary subscriptions. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can cancel it with a tap and you never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com phly. 
That's rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. Rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. We do have a couple of super chats, guys, and I feel like one of them is actually a great jumping off point for the, I guess what we would call the final segment here. Uh, Bill, shout out to Bill, says, so worst case scenario for Embiid, what should the Sixers do for the rest of the season? And look, again, we don't know what the scenario is quite yet, but I think we've we've kind of talked this out already, right? That I don't think the the plan changes that much. I think the types of players that they have wanted to go after are still appealing to trade for right now. In fact, you could make an argument they might be even more appealing because like look, even if we were to say, hey, they're not making a a huge trade or whatever, they're not going to just lay down and die. Like they're not going to say, Hey, we're going to throw in the towel and tank. Like they're, they're not in that kind of position. They might, I think the real, the real impact of this is if there were any fence sitters in the front office who were going to, whether it's Daryl, whether it's someone in Daryl's ear saying like, Hey, maybe we should give DeJounte Murray a closer look. Maybe we should consider you know, Zach Levine's money over the next, however, three, four years and whether the skill set is just worth it. Like those conversations, if they existed in the first place, get tabled. But I don't think like if they're able to get guys on, you know, two and three year affordable deals, the Caruso's, the Bogdanovich's, guys like that, like I don't think they're passing up a fair value opportunity to get players like that. So I don't think it changes too, too much, but certainly you could make a stronger argument for standing pat and just saying, we're keeping all our picks and we're going to try to attack this problem in the summertime. See, I think it, it does. Like if we're talking worst case scenario and that Embiid is tabled for the year, you know, part of the allure of trading for someone, especially if someone has like two years left, is getting two playoff runs out of them. If you remove one of those two playoff runs from the equation, then it has to change how much you're willing to give to get that player. And it has to change how much you're prioritizing now and, and this year over, you know, having more ammunition to, like you said, attack the problem in the summer. Uh, and again, I don't necessarily think that means saving your cap space. Like if you can get a useful long-term player with giving up a, one of your expirings and a, 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 low level pick then sure i think you can still approach that it's keeping those draft picks those first round picks so you might have them to trade in the summer i think it kind of has to impact it a little bit like i said not take anything necessarily off the table but just impact it in the form of um you know you're not prioritizing the these being flexible and and able to pounce in the summer a little bit more i'll add i'll add to the question of again without knowing but if he has to be about a while and they have to continue to, they have to play these games. Does it change how you maybe approach it also when it comes to uh, big men, backup big men in the event that he's going to be out for an extended time. And you just want to make sure if Paul Reed is going to be your starting five, you don't trust Mo Bamba uh, to be out there on a regular basis as his primary five. Does it change how you may look at someone like Andre Drummond or another backup big man who you feel like you can trust to go along and team up with Paul Reed. 
Yeah, I mean, I've suggested for quite a while that I, I think they're, they're more interested in a, the way it's been phrased that I've heard around the league is, you know, big body type behind Joel. Like, think of it, Drummond's the example, right? Because he's been here and people mm-hmm. know the name, but just sure. a, a guy similar to that, someone who can body up bigger centers and things like that. Like what is the actual utility and value of that player? I'm a little dubious on that. Like I I have certainly not been a card carrying Andre Drummond fan club member, nor do I think that that is necessarily the difference between respectability and staying above water over the next, let's just call it a month. We'll see where it actually ends up over the next month, however long this ends up going, I don't think that is going to make a huge difference. Like if anything, what you're missing with Joel being out of the lineup is the ability to throw the ball to somebody and like, Hey, you got us right on offense. Like they have so little self-creation outside of Tyrese and Tobias. And even Tobias has his limitations. That's mostly that's a literal self creator and for nobody else. I think you're, if you're looking to upgrade the team, if you wanted to make a win now and hold the fort type of move, you got to get somebody that can take the burden off of Tyrese so that as we saw in, I believe it was in Indiana that he got trapped past half court in that game last week. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff like that. Blitzing, yeah. hedging, get the ball out of Tyrese's hands. If you don't get more people around him who teams fear as attackers. Now, maybe you get some shooters and that'll help, but I think there has to, if you're looking at it from that perspective, it's got to be somebody with a bit of juice off the dribble as a creator for others. And unfortunately, those guys are expensive. So I, to Derek's point about reconsidering what you're willing to give up, I, I don't see that as especially likely right now. All right, let's go to our other one. We'll go to Ash. Check in with Ash and see what Ash has to say. The only option is to do whatever is needed to get back to 100% health. If that means eight weeks to do it and you have three weeks to ramp for the playoffs, hashtag playing. Play in. All right, appreciate it, Ash. We talked about it yesterday, that they have to do whatever they have to do to make sure that he's healthy enough healthy enough for the playoffs if that's a possibility if that's a real possibility for him to come out they have to do what's best for him of course but also for the organization of if he has to sit out and rest can this team is this team good enough to hold up and that factors into the trade deadline of what we just talked about and where they may or may not go what they may or may not do as far as attacking and seeing what what's out there and the crazy part about it is as as you guys were just saying that the Murray piece and Bogdanovich and all if you go to Atlanta and the Sixers are the one, Daryl Morey's on the other end of the, of the phone and they're asking what the price is, they're probably going to try to raise the price again just because you, you know where he is right now, uh, desperate, if you will, of trying to make a move for somebody to help Maxie and Harris out, that they're going to ask for too much. And that's where the question then comes in. What is he willing to give up? But again, playing, yeah, rest until he's right or right enough. 
Can you imagine they drop to the play-in and play Boston in round one? What a catastrophe <laughs> that would be. <laughs> is it me back? Uh, uh, well, and yeah. if he is I mean, back, would he even have the courage to play in Boston? Who knows? Who knows? Oh, yeah. You know, he, he oh, might duck that. a place that he's to played. To be clear, that is a joke making fun of the discourse around Embiid in Denver. That is not an actual <laughs> analysis. Which Derek wrote about at allphly.com today. Just a plug Derek's story. In, a, in great, happier great times. Story. And happier time. I, mean, I don't know about it wasn't, that. It wasn't a happy time. It was just happier. Okay. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, look, I mean, is that fair, guys, to say that whoever they call, and if it's a significant name, a big name, with the all-star names quote that we talked about before, that they might try to raise the price up on Daryl Morey? Oh, of course. But look. Are you he, talking about someone gets... trading an all-star to the Sixers? Yes. Well, no. remember we were saying all-star names, the big names. No, I don't think it changes all-star. anything because, like, if they're trading an all-star, you're just you're you're taking you have to be the highest bidder. You're taking the highest bid. If the Sixers are the highest bid, just because they have a little more leverage now that Joel Embiid or Joel Embiid is out this time, I don't think it really changes anything. I just don't think there's going to be an all-star player available, so I think it really doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I like. Yes, they're going to try to hammer the Sixers for whatever they're worth. But to Derek's point, one All Stars are not available right now. There is a weird. I was. That's why I was see the weird LeBron stuff that the categories of the, today? of the names. That's why I was saying the names, not All Star. The big. Yeah, names. yeah. I, I think what it might do is is it might not necessarily change who the other team will get back or how much the other team will get back. It might increase the chances that the Sixers are the highest bidder. Is a way I would phrase it. Gotcha. Kyle, my, my bad on the LeBron thing. I saw no, it. There was I saw it like the, the reporter who he I think he's a TV guy. He predicted uh, it. Le, he <laughs> predicted that LeBron was going to Miami. He reported that Kawhi was going to the Clippers ahead of time. Said that the Lakers are weighing LeBron trades right now. So that was a, a fun, fun subplot. Some guy I'd never heard of, but has a bit of a track record. So uh by the way, just for tonight purposes. Along with Joel, Batum, Melton, Marcus Morris, Cov, all out tonight against the Jazz. So, but best Maxie wishes, Tyrese Maxi. Well, yeah. at least he hasn't been ruled out quite right. yet. He has so a he has an ankle a... injury that he was questionable coming in. Hey, well, as long as they have him on that injury report, <laughs> you just put Devon. Yeah, you got the NBA hat on, so that means you have to go play in Utah tonight. Congratulations on your. I'm ready, uh, man. Your one day contract. How fast can they get? Can they get me there on time? <laughs> I'm ready. I'll take that one day contract. You guys okay with that? I'll put PHLY on my socks or something uh, for our show, you know. And and maybe and, you can like scribble it over the jersey patch over the that's crypto right. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I could put it right there and and it will be all good. But yeah, man, that is. So the Sixers were fine, folks, for the people who didn't know, you know, about the whole thing about the Denver piece with. Uh, not having Joel on the injury report and then scratching him before the game it was fine. What was it? 75,000? Was it 75,000? Yeah, because it was their yeah. third offense. Yeah, not their third 000. offense this year, but their third offense in recent yeah, that's, memory, that's, I guess. It's Josh a weird Harris game. wipes his ass money. So, I, like, who who the fuck cares? Like, yeah, I, I, it's, I hate that that's the case, but, like, who the hell cares? Like, the, the, you want to actually punish teams, you're going to have to punish them a little hard. hard yeah. The Sixers would do the same thing again if that's all it costs. Now it's easy for me to say I don't I don't report to Josh Harris, so uh, 
to have I don't I didn't have to walk into work today and be like, hey Josh, guess what? We cost you seventy five thousand dollars. <laughs> I don't I don't think yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's probably okay. He's all right. Can he buy another team? He's good. All right. He's yeah, not gonna I mean, expect he's, anything. He's got plenty of them at this point. Yeah. I mean, I guess the uh I wanna end it with with this is like kind of my final thought on all of this. As great as this season has been, everything has to be what is giving Joel the best chance moving forward. And that's not just in the months ahead. It's the years ahead. And like, I don't know what that is. I am not a doctor. I have not seen the scans. I am not in a position to say, oh, if he does the repair and he's out this long, that gives him X, Y, Z percent chance. But as we've seen over and over again, every year we say, Joel can't get better or this is their final chance and whatever. That never really ends up being the case, right? Like we roll it out. Joel's really good. Team wins a lot of games when he's healthy and health has been the limiter. And so whatever is going to it, if you have to sacrifice this season, it would be a bitter pill to swallow. But a doctor says, hey, look, this gives him, I don't know, just make up a number. 20% better chance to avoid complications and further issues moving forward. I think you would have to do it. Now, you'd also have to get Joel to sign off on that. I suspect this deep into his career, having gone through all these procedures and what have you, I suspect he'd be very reluctant to do anything that's going to compromise his ability to finish a season, period. I don't think he wants to be sitting on the sideline forever. But if there is an option that solidifies the future, even, uh, I don't want to say a major amount, but like a moderate amount, I think it's something they have to think long and hard because we just can't keep doing this every year. I, I say that every year, but can't keep having the same song and dance every single year. Um, the one to add on that, it was funny because think about when we were coming into the season and most people were saying, all right, the James Harden thing, you might have to take a step back depending on what the return was. And when you trade James Harden, not knowing Tyrese Maxey would, would take this jump. The thing was, guys, was, was, again, knowing that there was a possibility of them and the money possibilities in the offseason, the chances to spend some decent money on somebody in the offseason or at the trade deadline, that a lot of people were reserved and kind of okay with, all right, let's just get to the second round and do what we've always done, but next summer right next summer once we add that other piece then now we can really accelerate things in year two with nick nurse and that other piece along with maxi and and mb and the funny part is this is how seasons go right the season goes the way it's going they really don't miss james harden all that much tyrese maxi takes this next jump in his career and we're talking two all-stars and and the fact that with the two all-stars, the rest of the supporting cast, the most wings, right, guys, that they've had in a long time, that with these wings, they have a totally different roster, completely different roster than any time when they were trying to win. And as a result, 
there goes Derek, by the way. His computer <laughs> must have uh, it's just the two of us now. Yeah. Come on, we were talking about it earlier. Now my little Buddha statue in the background. Just, uh, it's doing something. That's right? our that's our third man on the podcast, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Buddha? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, right, right, Kyle, wasn't it? Because yeah, it was a it was a totally different story coming into the season. The season kicks off; they look so good, and here we are talking about maybe they don't need to make a major trade. And we adjusted some conversation along those lines, but then we also get to this place too, where now what? Now what? And the the frustration is there again. People are furious that this has happened. People are furious at the organization with how they handle it. And and here we are once again with this situation. So it's just amazing how the ebbs and flows of before the season and in season happens for us to get to this spot that we're in right now. This might be a topic. I think it definitely is a topic for another day since Derek sure. apparently uh, <laughs> got well, launched we can... into outer space. But he had enough. He he was fed up. He had enough. <laughs> he just he bailed out. I was <laughs> I was thinking during this podcast. Does the free agency plan or the cap space plan as it relates to free agency, how do you even convince a high level star type player to come here after another Joel injury? Right. Like, yeah, we've talked in, at some length in the past about look like they have not been able to get guys in here. And some of that's, you know, they're limited by who they had at the time and so on and so forth. But like, if you're just looking at it, if you're a guy who has options, let's just like Paul George is one of the only remaining potential big time guys. Yeah. If you're Paul George and Kawhi's health, certainly no guarantee. James is old. We don't know if Harden is going to resign there, but that team is absolutely rolling. You're playing in your home city, all that. Are you leaving LA to play with Tyrese and Joel as good as Joel is? Because how, how can you trust that Joel's going to hold up? Like it's it's the same conversation we have with the fans. Like these guys actually live it; they go through it. They're the yeah. ones who have to like Joel's out. They have to step up. The number three becomes the number two. The number two becomes the number one. So maybe that's appealing in some ways, like a guy who says, Oh, I'm going to have opportunities to shine right. more. I'll get more touches on those nights. But I do think if you're a guy, you know, early, early to mid thirties, who's made a ton of money and can say to themselves, like, I just want the best chance to win. Can you look at the Sixers and say, this is where I have the best chance to win. I'm not so sure that's the case. So, uh, I mean, we'll see, but just, that's something I'm going to chew on for a little bit. Yeah. And I guess Put that we'll in the notes see. column. Yeah. Yeah. Put that in notes we'll column. see. We definitely will. So we're going to be back after the game. We'll do like a quickie post game show with the folks. So folks, we will be back after the game, maybe about 15, 20, 25 minutes of, of a post game, depending on how things happen and you see, see if they can pick up the lone win. This is the final game, game five of the five game road trip. They're back on Saturday to host Brooklyn Saturday night in South Philly. So we'll see uh, what happens tonight. But we will be back after the game. Hope that you can come hang with us for a little bit. Maybe we're talking about a victory, snap their losing streak. Uh, but it is a little secondary after hearing the news about Joel Embiid, again, suffering through uh, some uh, knee injury right now. Kyle, you want to say uh, what's up to the people since we are here now in the earlier time? Of course. Got to say what's, gotta up, say to what's up to my people because you guys showed up 
on very short notice to come and hang out with it was the three of us and is now just the two of us so and he said forget it he's like i did forget those guys with us but you you guys are not so got a shout out to all my people gavin my boy i think will was in here my what other up, guy Gav? jay the jungle money mar brandon stavish or stavish correct me if i'm wrong on either of those Coach Lowell T. Oh, look, Derek came up, back Derek? in time for shout outs because he wanted a shout out. <laughs> he wanted to Martian up, Lynch. <laughs> oh, we have a guy who was trying to pretend like he's a uh, Sixers fan who is very clearly a Denver Nuggets fan who's mad at me. And I know from one of his initial comments, so I'm uh, skipping over right. his name. I just want to look in the camera and say, fuck you, buddy, because you're a fraud. Uh, <laughs> Spiffy McZender, Mr. Rudy Pooh, Prophet up, One, Spiff? Jeff Sullivan, Barbara Carroll. I'd said Coach Lowell T already, but I still hey, love Barb. the name, so I'm going to keep going. Spirit 42, Willie Lump Lump, you a fraud who is here. Lump Lump often, is back. Really. Look at that. Our guy, Haidar, over in Iceland. Our guy, Al, the two-minute warning. What up, Al? Akil McKnight, I, I see I pineapples. Fall, fall out after two sprints up the court in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, Henry, did I say Money Mar? I probably did. Got Bill, Espy, Prophet, Ron, Randy. Love you guys. As always, if you could hit the subscribe button and the bell icon, you will get notifications each and every time this show goes live. If you could hit that thumbs up button, maybe we'll get better news over the weekend. Although I suggested that last time and look where we ended up. So <laughs> hit the thumbs up button because it's the right thing to do is what I would say. We will see you all for a quick one after the game and then later this weekend. Let's see what Maxie does tonight. Y'all silly like the mayor. 